Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 233, Abominable. Never trust a red-headed zoologist. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fix with animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love of animation. So hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into into today's episode. Hey there, Animation Addicts. I am your host, Chelsea Robson. And I'm Morgan Stradling. Morgan, you and I have both been to China. I want to yes, know... Yes, we have. This movie is set in China, and did this bring back any fun memories from your trip? Yes, you know, China is very vibrant and beautiful, and so it's been a while since I've been there. So it was really fun to go back and, and see it visually in a film. And it, it wasn't a magical world, you know, sort of China-esque, if you will. It really was China. And they have been talking about real places like Beijing. And so I, I really enjoyed that and liked that. Yeah. When I, I went and you and I basically like you went and then a couple months later, I randomly went as well, <laughs> which is funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but... I went, uh, I was in Hong Kong, Shanghai, and Beijing, and honestly, like, one of, from that trip, I have one of the regrets of my life, and I, I mean this sincerely, one of the major regrets of my life is that while I was in Beijing, at that time, I did not take my opportunity to go visit the fake Disneyland before they <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> Well, did you know that it existed? Yes. And they were like, oh, okay. we, should, we should take you there. We should oh, take you man. to Disneyland. And yeah. it was like, <laughs> we were running out of time because I, my flight, I had to like get a flight and I had ended up, the flights that I had gotten, I were like super cheap. And so it would be more expensive It would for me to stay uh, than it would be for me to go home and then come back. Like, and so that was kind of my mentality of like, oh, I should come back, you know, but like, come on, Chelsea, when are you going to go back? Like that, but in my head, it was like, who knows, maybe I will. (laughs) And so I ended up not doing it, but they were going to take me and my cousin was with me and we were, they were going to take us to the, the Disney, China Disneyland, (laughs) which if you're able to find pictures of that, I'm pretty sure that they've 
basically deleted most pictures from it, but you, um, I'm sure the interwebs can find them. The, the castle looked like it was something built out of somebody's garage, and all of the face characters looked like really, like, nightmare dystopian <laughs> versions of the Disney animal, like, like Mickey yeah. and Minnie and all that. It was so, uh, once again, regret of my life that I did not take that opportunity. But today we are going to be talking about the movie Abominable, which takes place in China. And we're going to talk about all of our likes and dislikes and everything in between. All right, so before we talk about this abominable movie, <laughs> let's set the stage. So the film was released September 27th, 2019. It was directed by Jill Colton. The studios were DreamWorks Animation and Pearl Studio, which is formerly known as Oriental DreamWorks. And the budget was $75 million. It went on to make $189.7 million. So let's talk about this Pearl Studio for a second. So Pearl Studio was basically a business operation that DreamWorks Animation had partnered with. It was sort of a Chinese-American joint venture. Started about 10 years ago in 2012. It's been known as a few different names over the years. Oriental DreamWorks, Shanghai Oriental DreamWorks Film and Television Technology Co. Limited, <laughs> but now it's just known as Pearl Studio. They've done quite a few things with DreamWorks Animation specifically. They helped with the animation for How to Train Your Dragon 2, Penguins of Madagascar, and Home. And then they were set as the actual production company along with DreamWorks Animation for Kung Fu Panda 3 and Abominable. So those are, these are the two main films that they were the main player along with DreamWorks. And then, you know, they are an independent company, they don't only have to do, you know, DreamWorks stuff. So they did recently uh, were the production company for Over the Moon, which was a co-production oh, wow. with Glenn Keane Productions and Netflix Animation. So there was a, a lot, lot of similarities with Over the Moon. Yes, there were. Uh, like the, the characters seem very similar. The I mean, obviously the location um, the little the little brother yeah right <laughs> you know the the little the younger little not necessarily a brother but the younger kid character the tag along the tag along <laughs> <laughs> yeah and all, i mean interestingly enough there's also like a lot of there's a couple themes that are similar too um you did you see this in theaters i did not i just recently saw it today <laughs> oh well there you go I did see this in theaters. Um, I was doing a performance gig in LA uh, when this came out. And so it was a couple days after it come out and I was visiting, I was staying with my friend Haley who also plays the violin. And um, so we, it was like, Hey, what do you want to do tonight after we had already, I'd already done this other show. And so like, Oh, let's go see this movie. So for me, this movie kind of reminds me of that event of just being able to go and be with her and, and she's because she's a violinist like we talked a lot about the violin side uh afterward and cold plays fix you you know it was a great touch yeah. mm -hmm. very nice 
Yeah, one of the things that really stood out about this film is the violin and how it is such a central part of not only the main character and her identity, but of the plot, which I really, really loved. I play the violin, and so I was very critical of of this. It's a big pet peeve seeing people play the violin in movies. Typically, they're actors that they just hire and they give them like a crash course on the violin, but they're not actually playing the violin and they're not doing it great. I don't get why they don't just hire a real violinist, even if you're faking it. Even if you're just faking it because you don't need them to actually play anything. Just have someone who knows what they're doing. Right. Uh, better than... Anyways, that is for another day. But the <laughs> one... For the most part, they really did a great job with this. Except one little thing, the vibrato. So if you don't know what vibrato is, basically it's what a way that you are wiggling and vibrating your hand along the strings, you know, back and forth, back and forth very quickly and it creates a resonance, which is very beautiful and um, really allows the the, sing, the song or the string to sing. Um, it's a, an advanced technique for sure that violinists use. And uh, it, it was kind of weird. It was more of just like a hand tremor instead of a concerted effort of shaking the hand back and forth, back and forth very quickly. Yeah. So that was, that was my one nitpick. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's it is. I've, I played a little bit of violin, you know, in like junior high. Um, so I know a little bit, but at the same time, I'm not as I am very much an appreciator of people because I know exactly not exactly because I never actually put in that time to become one of the best <laughs> violinists. But <laughs> I know what eff- what kind of effort it takes to be one of the best. And I was very <clears throat> I was very interested in knowing was there like a specific violinist that they featured or was it like like how was this done and so i i went in and i was looking at all of the different um all of my different places that i would normally go to find out who did the writing credits as well as the um not just writing but the the actual performance and and the players that would be on something and the five names that i came up that i was able to find we got mark barrow Cleo Gould, Thomas Gould, and Tom Pidgett Smith. So I guess it was, you know, one, two, three, four of those. So four people that they kind of put together, you know, who played different parts, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever it was, they did a fantastic job. And I felt like the violin playing was really pretty. One of the best that I've heard. And I was very impressed with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, music by Rupert Gregson Williams, a British composer of motion picture and television scores, Hotel Rwanda, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, The Bee Movie, Over the Hedge. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. The Crown. I love The Crown. That one's good. Um, yeah, good for him. <laughs> good for Rupert Gregson Williams. <laughs> I mean, it's funny when you look at you know what what projects some composers get their names attached to like what you know basically if you're a working composer in hollywood you just you take what the the jobs that come um but it's just funny when you get certain ones that they become known for so i mean the fact that he did wonder woman that was a great one to have your name next to as well as i believe the crown um aquaman yeah i would say that one's great um but I think that there's there's certain ones that were definitely more notable than others. Mm-hmm. But then you look at some of the the animated films that he goes to, and it's just like ah, B movie. 
Nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I still never I've never seen it. Really? I know it gets it gets dogged on and people hate it, but I do have like a little bit of fondness for it because our good friend uh, Steve Hickner, you know, yes. worked on it. And so I was like, oh, come on. So one of these days we will do a B movie. So let's talk about the characters in this film. Um, just overall, my thoughts of this film, just initially, like I said, I didn't get the chance to see it very much, in, very much. <laughs> I didn't see it at all in theaters. I, it, I was sent a review copy, but I never ended up watching it. And so today, hey, that review copy came in handy and I did finally watch it. And here's my review. So, hey, two years later, <laughs> I, I did it. And uh, I will say I felt like the film, for the most part, was pretty unmemorable. I didn't love what I was watching. I wasn't really into it for the most part. There wasn't a lot of driving action or force for these characters to really move them into why they were doing the things that they were doing. Um, you know, our main character is Yi. She's a young girl, plays the violin. Her dad has died. Um, so she has this turmoil as a result and is trying to figure that out. And I just didn't feel like she had a reason for doing what she was doing. You know, when, when the Yeti jumps onto the boat... I mean, that's really the big moment where she has to make a choice and then she just decides to jump because he can't hide himself in a box. And so she's clearly concerned for him. But I didn't feel like that was enough of a driving purpose for her. And and, and ultimately, yeah, she even with Jin, she doesn't have like a big blow up or a big moment where they finally become friends and they reconcile. It just sort of happens, I guess. Yeah. What do you think? No, I completely agree. I was about halfway through. I was trying to figure out, wait, what is the actual like character of Ye- of Yi? Like, who is she, and what are her what are her um, desires, her misbeliefs, and like, what are we trying to get over here? Um, and so I was like, okay, she wants to go on this cross country trip with her dad, but didn't. Um, so it's just kind of like a vague goal that she wants to do in her life. And then she believes that her family is kind of broken. I mean, maybe is that her misbelief? I don't know. Uh, Is her misbelief that she's is all alone in life? Maybe, but it's not really clear. And it doesn't, um, as far as like the hero's journey story arc, it's hard to really get on board with what is happening because of that. It's just kind of like a, by happenstance, I guess we're on this trip. And also in the end, by happenstance, oh, we have gone and done all of those things. Which, I mean, watching it this time, you, there was a moment where the Yeti kind of looks at all the pictures. And so it's like, was the Yeti actually planning all this? Did, did, did this baby Yeti know all of these locations and want to do this for her? Or I don't understand. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there was there was some uh, lack of lack of driving force that mm-hmm. kind of made this movie a little bit slower than I think it should have been. Um, like, for example, I almost think that Jin would have been a better main character because he's got his goal of, I'm going to go be a doctor in, uh, in Beijing and I've got this plan and I got to go on this trip and, uh-oh, now I have to save my friend and my friend this, even though that we've been estranged, estranged in this last while for unknown reasons at this point, uh, I I have to make a decision to go after her, and also my little brother 
or cousin. I'm not sure. Is that what he was? I think they're cousins, but he's in charge of him. Yes. So I have to now save these two people, uh, and now I have to get back. But, oh, wait. Now, okay, now I have to learn a lesson that family is more important than, you know, my whole goal, maybe. I don't know. Like I, But I feel like because he had, like, this is where I'm going, this is what I'm going to do, and his plans were all thrown behind, I felt like it would have been a better development if it would have been on his side. But, I mean, I get yeah. why they wanted to have her as the main thing. Mm-hmm. For sure. But there it is. <laughs> And then you have Pang, who just really likes basketball and is kind of the third wheel just because. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. There really is. I mean, it's kind of like the he's he's the one that mentions later that, you know, Jen was always growing up trying to get Yi out of tough tough spots. And so uh, he's explaining to Yeti, oh, no, they they were always best friends and loved each other and all these different things. And he was always trying to help her and. And so that's when Jen was like, oh, all right, you're right. That is me. And um, yeah, it, it was just also interesting because they don't really tell you how long it's been since her dad died. Right. And so I feel like that makes it a little I mean, it obviously has to be more than a short time. So it's got to be a little bit longer of time for people not to be like walking on eggshells, because generally you know, if I know that my friend had a parent die, I would definitely be aware of this. And I I don't want to say walking on eggshells, but you are like, you're, you're trying to be empathetic and you're trying to be a person that would accept, you know, the lots of changes in mood swings, maybe because Mm -hmm. that's expected, but it doesn't seem like he is that. And they've just kind of drifted apart through time. And so he kind of forgets that since his since her dad died, oh, she's maybe she's still dealing with this, and I had no idea. I don't know. I thought it was funny. One of the descriptions for Jin listed him as, you know, your typical millennial, and I'm, you know, because he's always on the phone, he's always taking right. selfies, do, and I'm like, <laughs> he's not a millennial. Let's be real here. If she's a teenager and he's maybe a few years older than her, he's a Gen Zer. Yeah. Even though this movie's two years old, like he's not a millennial. It's just, oh, millennials, they're always on their phone. And they're like, ah, yeah, that's that's not what a millennial is. Yeah. I mean, it's like a millennial. I mean, because I I categorize myself as a millennial of like I remember both both times, you know, I remember uh, pre-internet as well as post-internet. And the dial up in between. Right. The dial up in between. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I know I, I know how to rotary phone works, uh, but I also understand how cell phones are so important to my life. <laughs> and I, I can't get along without GPS. I get it. Maybe there was a time where we were a lot more like, oh, this is a new thing. And therefore, we're going to take selfies all the time. But I feel like especially like two years ago, we hadn't. We've we'd gotten past that. That was long ago. Yeah, <laughs> the, the millennials had been like, okay, I get it. Pictures, right? It it wasn't a thing. It's just everyone started doing it. It wasn't a weird thing that people took pictures of themselves. Although I, speaking of millennials and things that others don't understand, the Gen Zers, um, I saw someone where they had a floppy disk, and apparently someone had said to them like, oh, that's that's the save icon on a computer. <laughs> 
like, oh. But why is it the save I cut on the computer? Can you tell me why? Right, right. Oh. Or why do you say hang up the phone? Um, it's because the phone was literally on the wall, so you would hang it up. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, it's great. Oh, gosh. Oh, good times. So, yes, he's our millennial, but not really. Yeah, no, so I would I would definitely call him more of a Gen Zer, but like was this movie being made before they had dis- like differentiated? No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> like today we know the difference between uh millennial and Gen Z. It's just there's there are those very specific differences. Right. Um Yeah, it's funny. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's talk about our good old Yeti Everest. So I feel- adorable. He is adorable, but I I feel like merchandising must have just had a meeting with design and said, we need to basically have a giant plush doll. Make it as easy <laughs> to to sell in in stores as possible. Yes. And they worked. He's it so did. adorable. He is so adorable. He's so cuddly. He's so precious. I love him so much. And what makes me love him even more is when at the very end you see his parents and you realize... Oh my gosh, you are little. You are so adorable. <laughs> and he has he has this like glowy power thing. I never really understood. Yeah. Why does he have the power? What exactly does the power do? How did the power transfer to her violin? He fixed the violin, so now it's imbued with power? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- these are questions. And also, you had Dr. Zara, who was like, oh, the closer he gets to Everest, his powers will increase. How does she know this? <laughs> like, <laughs> who who made up these rules, and why don't we know them? And I think that was one of the, like, main annoyances I had with the plot, was that he was basically whatever the plot needed him to be. It's like, oh, mm. we need to eat okay, let's take these blueberries and make them giant. And also, giant. you know, with a hint of cloudy with a chance of meatballs in there. Yeah, and then he's able to move the land and nature. Is that what it is? But then, right. yeah, he, he fixes a violin. Like, he's just handy with, with glue and can fix a violin. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what's the... <laughs> <laughs> like, it just says he fixed it. Oh, good. How? I don't know. Because her violin is stays imbued with powers at the end, it glows. So what is this? I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the plot. Got it. Because the plot. Okay. And great. I think that was the other thing that made it a little less driving force is because it wasn't Yi making the decisions and solving the problems herself. Right. Like if she, she would have just... known that he had these problems, uh, had these not problems, had these powers, and she would have like asked him, "Can you do this for me?" And him being like, okay, I'll do that. You know, something like that. I feel like that would have been more on her. Like she had to figure out how to how to do all these things instead of them just happening to her. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to think that I don't like this movie because I really did like this movie. And I think it's beautiful. I liked the the animation and it has a, the animation specifically has a, has a, a line between dreamworks and like illumination um but also i makes me think okay are both dreamworks and illumination basically just doing all their animation at pearl studio i don't know but you know that's those are the questions that i have um but i liked it and i remember when i watched it i thought the idea of her 
getting over her, you know, the moment where she says, I haven't even cried. Like, okay, how long has it been? Once again, I want to know that this, this is things that I mm-hmm. want to know. Um, mm-hmm. But Josh might just be inquiring. Minds want to know. Um, <laughs> so she hasn't even cried. So this whole thing is basically how she is getting over her, her grief. Okay. Still don't know what the driving forces. So, so I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I, I, there aren't a lot of movies and like this one does a really good job with it. And also over the moon does a really good job of dealing with that grief and like losing a loved one. Um, that's more, uh, not like pushed to the, pushed to the side as like, Oh, my dad died and therefore I'm, you know, I'm, that's just my life. But it's more of like, how am I getting over this in, in a realistic ways? So I appreciated that about it. Yeah, totally agree with you. Had a, I felt like this movie just wasn't really going anywhere. It was obvious, okay, we need to return him to his home. But what else? What else is, is there? There? <laughs> there really wasn't a lot. It was just, it was nice to look at at times. It had some cool elements. Uh, but other than that, I, I just found myself really bored and just not loving it, unfortunately. You know, I really do want to support you know, animated films and, and I want them to all be good. Yeah. So if I'm going to invest my time into something, I want them to be good. Right, right, right. (laughs) So here's my other thing is like with Dr. Zara and Burnish, the, the baddies of the whole thing. Oh yes. Okay. So it's funny. I go to the plot summary for IMDb and it says, Three teenagers must help a Yeti return to his family while avoiding a wealthy man and a zoologist who want him for their own needs. So from this, I take I know, wealthy men and zoologists are evil. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> and then also <laughs> the zoologist has red hair. Also evil. Got it. Okay. <laughs> this is the lessons that I learned from this. It's interesting because Eddie, like, or I'm sorry, Eddie Izzard uh, is the one who, who plays yes. Burnish. Burnish, his whole desire is not to be laughed at because we do find out that there was a point in time in his life where he met these yetis and then he was just laughed at throughout the whole because he would say that he did it. And so it's easy for Dr. Zara to manipulate him because all she has to do is say, they won't laugh at you anymore. Oh yeah, that's my, that's my main desire. Okay. But I don't really know what her main desire, like, does she just want money? Just evil just evil zoology (laughs) (laughs) zoology that's so funny especially when her hair started coming down that's how you really knew Ooh, okay never trust a red-headed zoologist (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i I liked his transformation you know he really wasn't the bad guy in the end um I, i liked his ratatouille moment you know where he has this you know, zoom in flashback to the big, the big moment and what happened. Um, and then from that point on, he's transformed and he's like, he's a good guy. Yeah. You know, very Anton ego, uh-huh, if you will. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it, it was good. It was good. <laughs> I like I liked the voice actor. Oh, yeah. I Eddie Izzard. I don't know Eddie Izzard, though. Okay. So Eddie Izzard, I wasn't really familiar with him. When I worked in corporate, I shared an office with about three other guys. And I don't know, one day... we. Someone mentioned Eddie Izzard. Then we went on an Eddie Izzard kick and they put on his old comedy routines and bits. And he's a hilarious, hilarious guy. So um, when I saw his name, I was like, oh, I know him. I know him. <laughs> nice. And Dr. Zara was played by Sarah Paulson. Oh, so evil. Oh, so, so evil. any other any other random thoughts on the film? I thought this was actually a really funny movie, though. 
they mm-hmm. were they had some really good gags the whooping snake gag throughout the whole thing yes yes that, that was, was good <laughs> it was just like whoop 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 uh, like oh Cute. i want make them my whooping my whooping belts <laughs> like sir <laughs> these are one sir. of a kind and they'll be one of a kind whooping belts <laughs> <laughs> and then dude you darted gary <laughs> oh yeah the the goons the like and then you have the the good old dave goon who is uh, like whoop there oh there it is oh whoop oh there it is oh, <laughs> there it is dave <laughs> Like they had, it was a good, it was a good running gag. I appreciated it. Yeah, yeah, there were some good moments, but just you know, I think I'm gonna go into my my final review. Ultimately, this movie had a lot of really great things going for it. I I liked Yi. I loved the violin elements and how that was integral throughout. I really loved Everest and how adorable and cute he was. And I, I liked the idea that he had powers. But when you put them all together, they just didn't connect right. It didn't have the connective tissue that we really needed to make these individual elements really flow and just be transformed into an amazing film. No driving action. Don't really know what's the point of the movie other than get him home and, and just kind of go on a road trip adventure. Um, it was very onward in a way where at the very end she realizes oh, wow, all these things I wanted to do with my dad. I already did. I just did it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, funny that these films came out about three months apart. You know, Was it but... only three months? Yeah, because oh this gosh. was... Oh, not three months. I keep thinking this came out in December 2019. It came out in... Sep... Sorry. It came out in September, not December. Yeah. So six months apart. Because uh, Onward came out in March 2020. And, and but still, a, oh, oh gosh, pandemic really ruined me. Like I can't, <sighs> I do not know. My concept of time is totally weird. Because yes. to me, anything that happened in 2019 was like so long ago. And so long separate. time ago, right? It was so separate from anything that happened in 2020 or 2021, you know? Right. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so all in all, I'm going to give this movie two and a half stars. I didn't love, I didn't love it. There are a few moments that I did like, but ultimately I don't think I would go back and watch this again. Yeah, I would give this a little bit higher. I give this a three star, and I think mostly because of my initial take on it was a lot higher than what I, I'm giving it now as a person that's actually critiquing, you know, things. Um, but I, I most of that has to do with, you know, Coldplay's Fix You in there. Um, <laughs> maybe it's just like I like I liked the music. I liked the vibe of it. I did appreciate the how they looked at all of the uh, the grief and, and moving through that and the relationships between them. I did appreciate it as well. So the whole thing, I felt like it was good. And if I were like a younger person watching this or like a, a child watching this, I would have really liked it. I would have thought that it was pretty, you know, Everest was super, super like squishy. Um, and I would have gotten a lot out of those things. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I'm I'm gonna leave it at three stars, and say it was good. Definitely not great. Uh, could have been a lot better, and I wish it were a lot better. But it was still good. All right. Let us know your thoughts on this film. You can go to rotoscopers.com/slash/two-three-three. You can also hit us up on Instagram and share your thoughts there. You know, Chelsea. I think you know we could turn this into. You know, we've done our our rat series we've done our dog series our horses series how about an uh, abominable snowman <laughs> mythical creature series hey there you go 
you know, so I'm trying to think of other films. So one you have wanted to do for a very, very long time, Missing Link. Oh, yeah. Seriously, this has been on our calendar forever. It keeps getting pushed. You know, so that's the that's the the Bigfoot. There's obviously Bigfoot in a Goofy movie, which we've already done. There's the Abominable Snowman in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which we've done. There's the Abominable Snowman in Monsters Incorporated, which we've already done. So, <laughs> I mean, really, to finish it all out, it seems like the next natural thing is to take a stab at a different studio, Leica, and oh. see how they do... Oh, I'm excited. This mythical, mythical creature film. Oh, and there's also Avatar The Last Airbender. It's kind of a, a, a shoe. I'm trying to shoe this in, <laughs> uh, shoehorn this in, I guess. Um, but there is a creature named Appa who sort of looks like the Yeti in this film. He's a little different, but uh, hey, hey, hey. What about it, Chelsea? <laughs> oh, you're just trying to get me to watch Avatar again. <laughs> again? You've watched it without me? No, I mean, you are doing this oh, again. again, I am trying to get you to watch it. Yes, indeed. Uh, yes. All right. I, I will put. I will start to put time into Avatar. I haven't done it, but maybe I'll have a little bit of time coming up. Okay. Okay. But I think for our next film, we should do Missing Link. What do yes, you say? I agree. Okay, cool. I agree. That'll it is be time. a perfect one. I really hope it's better right. than this one. Yes, yes, we will. All right, before we go, we wanted to let you know that we are taking a little time off to enjoy with our families for Christmas, and we will be back after the new year fresh with some new episodes for a new season of the Animation Addicts podcast. Thank you so much for your love and support this year. It has been a blast podcasting and sharing this animation journey with you all. Can you believe we'll be starting our 10th season? No, that is so crazy. We're on to season 10 of the Animation Addicts podcast be a good one. All right, guys, we'll see you in 2022. Until next time, we are the Rotoscopers. So I'm looking at this, like, speaking of my my terrible (laughs) or the the Beijing uh, Disneyland that was so bad. Yes, yes. You just said this uh, oh, I haven't really read that article, but I want to like check. It's like the knockoff Vietnamese Harry Potter. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm looking at this. Just this, just this entrance of this picture makes me really want to go. Uh, yeah, because I've been rewatching the Harry Potters over the last. Oh, so weeks. I just finished too. They are fantastic, huh? Yeah, and so I'm just like, well, I I need to make this a thing. Yeah, I know. I will return. Oh wait. It closed in 2006, but this one in Beijing, China, is still up and running with Disney knockoffs galore. Okay. China is just the land of the fakes, so it closed the one, but apparently there's others? I guess. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, China is definitely the land of the, of the ripoffs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But this is weird. Like, what is this? What is this Buddhist temple purple thing? Uh like you scroll yeah, down. I, I haven't I haven't read the article. I saw the picture, but I haven't had a chance to dive into it, if you will. Oh, that's funny. Okay, they have these. If you go, I'm just looking at the pictures, and you look at the pictures of like house elves. You got one that looks like Dobby, a whole bunch of like five of them there, and you got one that <laughs> looks totally ripped. Like, what is up with this? <laughs> totally ripped. <laughs> oh, that's great. What is happening? <laughs> oh gosh, this is amazing. Perfect. I'm excited.
You've been listening to the Animation Addicts podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave us a five-star review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help spread the word, be sure to share the podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag us at Rotoscopers on Instagram and use the hashtag Animation Addicts. For all the links and full show notes for this episode, go to rotoscopers.com slash podcast. Now, if you still can't get enough for your animation fix, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and visit rotoscopers.com for more animation news, reviews,